0: enjoy. Well, I want to welcome everyone in Greenfield and those joining us in Oak Creek and online. Hey, wherever you're at today, thank you so much for spending part of your day here with us. And uh, before I get going, I just want to share next week is going to be a great week here at the Ridge as uh, our lead pastor, Mark, is going to be back and he's going to share with us a special message that he's been wanting to share with us for a very long time. And so you want to make sure that you are here for that, but don't just be here alone This is a great time to invite a friend or a family member with you and say, hey, come, let's check this out uh, together. But today is also going to be a great week as we are wrapping up the series that we've been in called Anxious uh, for Nothing. And and it's been really encouraging to hear about how what we've been talking about has been so helpful for many. And from personally speaking, what we've been talking about has been very helpful for me as I've been struggling with anxiety for, for most of my life. And it really came to a head for me about a year ago, and it's when I began to uncover some of the things that we're talking about. And I have to say, by putting into practice some of the things we're talking about, it has been a game changer for me. And I have to say, I've, I've probably become a better husband and a better friend and a better dad and a better follower of Jesus uh, because of that. Uh, but the reason why we've been uh, spending this time talking about anxiety is we're realizing that we are living in an anxiety epidemic. And what that means is when we look at some studies of mental health, we see that anxiety is the number one issue that women in the United States is dealing with, and it's the number two issue that that men are dealing with just behind drugs and alcohol. And what we think about the drugs and alcohol is really it's a mask for the anxiety. In fact, when we look at uh, the stats, the stats tell us that 31% of adults living in the United States are dealing with some type of anxiety disorder or have dealt or will deal with that at some point in their life. Now, this isn't just general anxiety. I mean, these are panic disorders and and, and other things related to anxiety. And so about one out of every three American adults is dealing with this. In fact, we've seen that the United States is the most anxious nation throughout the entire world, which doesn't make sense at first. Like Maybe we would think it would be this this nation that that has war kind of ravaging it, or or maybe where most people are living on $2 a day, but but that's not the case. It's the United States. In fact, studies are also showing us that when someone from another country moves to the United States, they become more anxious as a result of moving to the United States. And and, and we wonder, well, well, why is that? Because when we look at our country... For the most part, our our country, it is the safest that it has ever been. I mean, we we don't have wars uh, kind of raging throughout our country. When it comes to health, we have access to some of the best health care possible. I mean, generally speaking, when it comes to that. Uh, And then when it comes to to prosperity, I mean, we are, generally speaking, the most prosperous that that we have ever been um, at a point in our nation's history. And so when we look at previous generations and when we look at other countries throughout the world, I mean, we are safer. We are more healthy and we are more prosperous than than generations before us and at other countries throughout the world. Yet, we are the most anxious. And we might wonder, well, why is that? And and, uh, at its core, anxiety, a reason for this is, at its core, anxiety is a perpetual loss of control. It's this perceived, hey, I'm not in control of these things. And there's a great chance that as we become more healthy and more safe and and more prosperous, we have gotten addicted to the sense of control. And what we realize is there are a lot of things that we don't have control over. And so we try to control them anyways because we like to be in control, but we realize, yeah, I can't be in control of that. And this makes sense at first when we think about it, because when we are in control, we are calm and we have peace. But when we don't have control, we get more anxious. And in fact, a German psychologist just came out with this study. And what he discovered is when individuals are stuck in intense traffic for an hour a day, they are three times more likely to have a heart attack and even die from that heart attack. And when we look at this, we realize, well, why is that? I mean, the reason is, is you could be the greatest driver since Ricky Bobby. But if you are stuck in I-94 in this intense traffic, and you look over, and you see this guy, and he's just glued to his phone, and he's just texting the whole time, there's nothing you can do about it. And what the studies are showing is when you are stuck in that for an hour a day— you are three times more likely to die from a heart attack, which for some of us just gives us more anxiety. And we're thinking, way to go, Tyler. Way to be the Debbie Downer right right now. But yet we see because of this perceived loss of control, we become more anxious and we are living in this anxiety epidemic. And, And so as we've been saying throughout this series, if you're struggling with anxiety and if it feels like anxiety is just kind of slamming against you right now, here's what I want you to know. You are not alone. And you don't have to go through this alone. In fact, it's better to go through this with others. And so we've been saying this for for several weeks. There are several facets to anxiety, and and, and we want to help you get uh, um, help with all of these different facets of anxiety. And so for for some of us, anxiety is going to be a medical issue. And and if that's the case, that's okay. Go to a doctor, get the medical help that, that you need. Others of us, uh, we're dealing with uh, anxiety from many, many different levels, and, and it just feels like it's just beating at us at all sides, and maybe for you, it's, it's time to talk to a Christian counselor about it, and if that's you, we would love to help you get connected with, with a Christian counselor. Just stop by our Next Steps area on your way out, and uh, there's some team members there that would love to give you the resources that we need. I mean, I can't say it enough. Please don't leave today without talking to someone about it. But what uh, we've been doing is we've been looking at the spiritual side of anxiety. And and, and the spiritual side is a large part of of our anxiety. And we are so thankful uh, for this pastor and author, Max Lucado, who wrote this book called Anxious for Nothing. And uh, there's so much great wisdom and insight in this book that it has shaped a large part of the series. And uh, in this book, he actually has this statement that has become uh, really our goal for the series. And what he writes, he says while the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, meaning there's going to be things that will come up that, that we'll be afraid of, that we will worry about. But while the presence of that is unavoidable, the prison of anxiety is optional. That when it comes to anxiety, anxiety is the perpetual what-ifs. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this goes on? And and, and what happens is, is we become anxious for something. And you know what that something is. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Whatever it is that you're anxious about, we can actually discover how to be anxious for nothing. And the way that we've been discovering this is we've been actually looking at this one passage of of Scripture. And this passage has become the most highlighted passage uh, uh, throughout the Bible. And it was written by this guy named Paul. And he was writing this to a church living in a city called Philippi. And this passage is so rich that if you haven't taken the time to memorize it yet, I'd encourage you to memorize it. But here's what Paul says. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again because it's easy to forget this. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. And then here's where we get our phrase. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And there is so much that Paul just packs into this passage that, that we actually kind of have, as we've unpacked it, we've discovered several practices that if we just put into place, what happens is it builds our, our trust and our faith in God. And then we can learn to discover how to be anxious for nothing and, and experience peace. And when we put these practices together, they actually spell out the word calm. And we're thankful for Max Lucado helping us kind of put this together. And if we just kind of remember calm, which is the opposite of anxiety, uh, we we can put these practices into play. And so here's what uh, calm spells out. The first one is we want to celebrate God's goodness. And this was a decision we made where we choose to celebrate God because God is near. And then we want to ask God and find peace through prayer. That's the A, where, where we discovered literally if it's big enough for us to worry about, then that should be a signal for us because then it's going to be big enough for us to pray about. And then the third one was the L, where we want to list the things that I'm thankful for. And when we keep track of what we're grateful for, it reminds us to hold on to the good things that God has done in the past so we can let go of our fear of the future. And if you missed any of those weeks, or if you're new with us, I want to encourage you to go online, you can download our app, or you can subscribe to our podcast, and you can catch up uh, um, by, by watching or listening to those. But today, we are going to wrap all of this up by looking at the final action we can put into play, and that is the M. And the M is meditate. Now, I know for some of us, when it comes to meditate or meditation, some of us, we've already been doing a form of this, or maybe several of our friends are doing this. Like, this is popular in some circles. Others of us, we might hear the word meditate or meditation, and it might feel a little odd or awkward or weird to us. It might remind us of some Eastern religion or some Eastern form of meditation, and we might wonder, well, well, how is that helpful? How does this line up with God? How does this even help with anxiety or anything all together. But what we'll discover is when Paul talks about meditation is that it's actually very helpful, and it's very helpful for us to connect with God. It's helpful in many different areas of our life, especially when it comes to anxiety, especially when it comes to us experiencing peace. Now, a quick uh, recap of Paul. Uh, what, what we know about Paul is Paul is one of these early church leaders. He's helping many people find and follow Jesus, but he is probably a prime candidate for anxiety because of his circumstances. I mean, these are first century followers of Jesus, they're living under the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire wants to end this Christian movement because they want people to commit to following the emperor. And so since Paul is one of the leaders here, they arrest him and they throw him in prison as a way to scare others from following Jesus. And, and what we know is they are killing these Christians in very inhumane ways. And so Paul is sitting in this prison, and he's just wondering day by day, is this the day they're going to kill me? Is this the day they're going to kill me? Is this the day? And, and to ensure that he won't escape, they even chain him to a Roman guard just to make sure that he can't escape or no one can break him out. But on top of that, we also know he's leading several churches, and by his letters, we read that his churches, they're dealing with all sorts of problems, and so he could have anxiety about that. And then to top it all off, we also know that Paul has some health problems. We, we know that his vision is bad. Uh, we, we know uh, that he was beaten by Roman soldiers, and he's dealing with injuries from that. And we also know he's close to 60 years old, which back then, that was close to the end of life expectancy. And so he has all of these different uh, situations that are just happening to him. If anyone could be dealing with anxiety, we, we would think it would be him. I mean, we could imagine him writing this letter to this church in Philippi and say things like, my life is really bad. Things are horrible. It's all going to end right now. And honestly, we wouldn't blame him if he did say that. But it's in the midst of these conditions, he writes this letter to the Philippians, and it becomes known to us as this joy letter. He talks about joy many times, and then he gives us our phrase, do not be anxious about anything, and he teaches us these things that we can do to to experience God's peace. And after he writes this this passage, he then gives us this uh, section on meditation. And here's what Paul writes. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure— Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Literally, meditate, dwell, focus your mind on these things. And then whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Just try these out. And when you do this, the God of peace will be with you. Now, when when Paul used this word think, he actually uh, was using this Greek word that we get our English word logic for. He says, hey, when it comes to your anxiety, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think logically about the things that you are afraid of and, and that you're worried about. And when we look at some basic neuroscience, we can understand why Paul would say this, because neuroscientists are telling us this about our brain. There's two parts of our brain that are related to our anxiety. Uh, The first part is the small part that's deep inside of our brain called the amygdala, and the second part is the front part of the brain called our prefrontal cortex. Now, the amygdala, that just serves as the warning system of our brain. So whenever we see something that we're afraid of, it sends these signals to uh, to our body to say it's time to get into fight or flight mode. And so if it sees a threat or something to be afraid of, it'll tell us, hey, get away or get ready to fight. Now, the problem with the amygdala is that the amygdala is not objective at all. It can just see any threat, and then it can just send us into fight or flight. This is why the prefrontal cortex here... Uh, comes in, in, into play and why it's necessary because what it does is it takes the threat that the amygdala sends and it says, okay, we need to think logically about this and determine if this is a real threat or not. A great example would be this. Imagine if you and I decided, hey, it's Halloween time. We're going to go ahead and go to a haunted house and we're going to pay money to go into this haunted house and to see what, what's inside there. And so we pay money, we walk down the hall of this haunted house, and then all of a sudden, outside of the corner, this guy in a hockey mask with a chainsaw jumps out right in front of us. It's our amygdala that tells us, hey, wait a second, I've seen this movie before, this does not end out well for us. And so our body gets ready to either run or to fight. But our prefrontal cortex is going to kick in and say, hey, wait a second, wait a second. Let's let's think logically about this. You paid money (laughs) to go into this hallway and to get scared. And so that's why this guy in a hockey mask has jumped out in front of us. Don't run away and don't kick the poor college student who's wearing the hockey mask in the face. (laughs) It's not going to be good. And that's how the, the, the brain will work to, to process fears. Like, what if this guy with a hockey mask shows up? Now, when our anxiety kicks in, our anxiety imagines a threat. And it begins to wonder, well, what if around that hallway, there's a guy in a hockey mask and a chainsaw over there? Or what if over in that corner, there's a guy with a hockey mask and a chainsaw over there? Or what if when I walk out into the parking lot, there's a guy with a hockey mask and a chainsaw there? Or what if when I get home and I open my front door to walk inside, there's a guy in a hockey mask and a chainsaw there? Our anxiety just begins to imagine that threat over and over and over again. And what happens is we live in a perpetual state of fight or flight. I uh, just heard the story the other day uh, of this lady who... uh, Um, had this deep anxiety about a burglar breaking into her house. And so every night she would go through this routine with her husband. They had these cameras installed in their house and she would make her husband check it out a couple times a night. And then she would have him go to all the doors in the house and just make sure everything's locked. And then she would have him double check it and then triple check it. And then she would have him do it with the same thing with the windows and just go to all the windows and just double check, triple check, make sure everything is all locked. And this would happen night after night after night. Well, one night they're asleep upstairs in their bed and they hear a noise downstairs. And the wife hears it. She wakes up her husband. She said, hey, I heard a noise down there. I want you to go downstairs and see what's going on down there. And so the husband uh, just goes ahead, he walks downstairs, and, uh, and he looks what's down there, and sure enough, there's a burglar. And so he goes to the burglar and says, Hey, um, I know this is a little odd, but can I take you upstairs and introduce you to my wife? She's been talking about you for the last 10 years. And that's what anxiety does. In fact, neuroscientists are telling us uh, that anxiety... When, when, when anxiety just takes deep root inside of our brains, it actually begins to take, create these new pathways in our brains that when we get afraid, it actually bypasses the prefrontal cortex, or the logic center of our brain all altogether. It's like when we work out, and then we stop working out, what happens? Our, our muscles start to get softened and weaken and grow smaller. When anxiety sets into our brain, it begins to rewire our brain. Now, the good news for us is this, is that according to Paul and according to research, we can do some things to change that. I mean, even if you're not a Christian, you can look at what Paul says, and you can begin to put that into practice and experience the benefits of that. Now, I'm not saying, hey, you just go ahead and fix yourself, and then everything will be fine. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is by God's help, And by looking at what we think about, we can begin to change what anxiety has done to our mind. And if we look at Paul's lesson, what Paul says is we need to just think about what we think about because not every thought is worth thinking about. When the anxious thoughts begin to come deep inside our mind, we can just tell ourselves, hey, 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 let's think about what we think about because not every thought is worth thinking about. Because our thoughts can bring us anxiety, or they can bring us peace. And we can choose what thoughts we want to think about. And so, what thoughts should we think about? Well, Paul gives us the list. Let's put it back up here. He said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. You know, when it comes to this word true, uh, for for me, this was the deep part of my anxiety because when I was uh, feeling anxious, I would begin to imagine things. I'd begin to imagine problems and imagine conflicts that didn't even exist. And so these things that I would imagine, I would get anxious about those. And so Paul says, well, think about what's real, not what's imaginary. Think about what's true or noble or good or right This word pure literally means to be free from contaminants. And there's some anxious thoughts that we have that are toxic thoughts. They're they're toxic thoughts about the things we're afraid of or maybe even toxic thoughts about other people. And so what Paul says, we want to think pure thoughts, thoughts that are free from these toxic uh, um, contaminants. And then whatever is lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy. This goes back to what we talked about when when we wanted to list the things that we were grateful for. Because when we are grateful for them, we can focus on them. We can dwell on them. We can think about those things. And Paul says, I want us to meditate on these. I want our mind to, to dwell on these things. And when we do that, this incredible thing happens. The God of peace will be with us. And so Paul says, think about what you think about. Because not every thought is worth thinking about. And, and, and this is the difference between what Paul is talking about meditation and some eastern views of meditation. Because some eastern views of meditation would say, we just need to empty our mind and, and release th- those anxious thoughts. And, and while that's true and there's nothing wrong with that, that's just incomplete. That's just the starting point. Paul says when we empty our mind, we want to fill it up with something else. We want to think about these thoughts that come from God. And once I heard this described this way, and I, and I thought this was brilliant, so I wanted to share this with us. But I want us to imagine, like, this jar is our mind. And our, and our mind is going to be filled up with different types of thoughts. And what's natural for all of us is to have anxious and dark thoughts come in and fill up our mind. These are the what ifs. Well, the, what if that breaks? What if she leaves? What if I don't get that promotion? What if I don't get that job? What if I lose my job? What if my kids never turn it around? What, what, what if my health goes bad? What if I never get healthy again? And, and we just have these anxious thoughts just come in and just fill up our mind over and over again. And, and, and many of us, we, we realize this, we can't live this way. And so we work to empty our mind. And so we, we say things like, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to dwell on something else. You know, in fact, I, I might even just do whatever I can to be distracted from this. And so I'm just going to go ahead and mask my anxiety. Whatever I can do to not focus on, on, on these anxious thoughts, I'm just going to empty my mind of that. And so we empty our mind from those thoughts. Problem is, is our mind is empty. And our mind can't stay empty for long. Now, I know some wives here are saying, have you met my husband? <laughs> and I'm not going to go there. <sighs> but what happens is with an empty mind, if we're, it's going to fill up with some other thoughts. And if we're not intentional with what we think about, what's going to happen is the anxious thoughts are going to come in and try to fill up our mind again. And so what we learn from Paul is we want to take the first step, and we want to empty our our mind. We want to, to release those anxious, dark thoughts, and we want to release them, but then we want to fill our mind up. And according to Paul, here's what we fill our mind up. We think about what is true. We think about what is noble, what is praiseworthy, what is excellent or admirable. We hold on to the things that we are grateful for and what God has done in the past. And we think about those, we dwell on those, we meditate on those, and then we fill our mind up with these pure thoughts. And we dwell on that, and here's what we discover, that when the anxious thoughts come, because they will come, there's no room for them, because we have chosen to think about these pure thoughts that are from God. Now, I know some of us are thinking, well, my mind's already just so full of these anxious thoughts. I can't do that. Well, well, what that is is those anxious thoughts are trying to come in and continue to fill up our mind. And so little by little, what we want to do is empty those thoughts and fill them up with the thoughts from God. Empty, fill. Empty, fill. In fact, I, I love how Paul said this to another church in another letter. He said, here's what we want to do. We want to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And the language that Paul is using here is, is like a weapon. He says, we want to take these dark thoughts that come, these anxious what-ifs, and we want to fight them with a weapon. And what's the weapon he uses? It's the teachings of Jesus, where Jesus says, do not be, do not be afraid, do not worry. Or as Paul said, whatever's good, whatever's true, whatever is admirable, praiseworthy, excellent, Think about these things. We want to think about what we think about because not every thought is worth thinking about. And so, to help us begin to do this, I want to give us a couple questions that would help us begin to think about our thoughts. The first question is Well, what are my anxious thoughts that I need to empty? And these thoughts would be these dark thoughts, these, Well, what ifs? What if that breaks? What if she leaves? What if I never get healthy? What about my finances? All of these anxious thoughts that are causing us to be worried. What what are these thoughts that we want to empty? You know, for me, about a year ago, when my anxiety came to a head, um, as I shared uh, last week, it was about these things that I've owned. And it would just be these anxious thoughts of, of things just breaking down on me. Well, what if my car breaks down while I drive? What if my furnace goes out when it's really, really cold? What if my basement floods while I'm away from my from house? And, and these thoughts would just continue just to flood uh, my mind. And, and as I discovered and I peeled back the layers to it, I, I was just afraid that I would not have enough um, at some point to provide for myself and my family. And these were the anxious thoughts that I needed to empty. And we empty this by identifying them and saying, Jesus, I just released these thoughts to you. And we start with emptying those, but we don't end with that. That's just the first step. And this leads to the next question of, well, what thoughts do I need to fill my mind with? And this is where we become like Paul, where we say, I'm going to take captive those thoughts and I'm going to make them obedient to Jesus. And I'm going to fill up my, my thoughts with those thoughts that are pure and good and true and excellent and praiseworthy. And so for me, when, when I was dealing with my anxiety, Um, I I knew to have some of these thoughts and to fill my mind up with these thoughts, uh, a good practice to put into place was to memorize and to think about a scripture. And and I didn't know which one I wanted to focus on. I just knew that that might be very helpful for me. And during that time, I was reading this book um, about uh, Psalm 23, which is this uh, short little chapter found in the book of Psalms. It was written thousands of years before Jesus. And it's a a well-known psalm, and and it's written by David. And he's describing his relationship with God. And he just describes all these great, good thoughts to think about. In fact, he he starts it off by, by saying this. He says, well, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And he's describing this relationship with God as God is this good shepherd who looks after his sheep, and we are his sheep that he cares for, and he provides for, and he looks after, and he takes care of them. And then David even begins to expand on this a little bit uh, um, further, just a couple verses down. And he said this, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. And David's describing his anxious thoughts, the, well, the what ifs. And even if the what ifs become what happened, he's saying, I don't have to be anxious about that because God, the great shepherd, is still right there beside him taking care of him. And so as I read this book, I, I, I realized this is it. This is what I want to memorize and what I want to dwell on when the anxious thoughts come into my mind. And so here's what I've been doing, and, and I'm not perfect at this, but, but when, when I do this, this is very helpful. And it's whenever the anxious thoughts begin to start trying to go after me, and I start to get afraid, and I start to get worried, and I start to get anxious, sometimes I'll, I'll, just, I'll just stop And I'll say this out loud or maybe even quietly in my mind, depending on where I'm at, and I'll just say, God is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. I have all that I need. God is my shepherd. Even though I'm walking through the darkest valley, even though what I was afraid of happened, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be anxious about this because God is right there with me. And when I choose to dwell on this rather than this, amazing thing happens. In that moment, even though sometimes things are dark, I experience God's peace. So here's here's what I want for all of us here. Here's what I want for you. I want you just experience just the power behind the statement that while the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, the prison of it, it is optional that you can learn to choose what Paul talked about And, and to do what it takes to be calm, to choose to celebrate that God is near, to ask God and find peace through prayer, to list the things that you are grateful for, and then to meditate on the thoughts that are from God, that we choose to think about what we think about. Not every thought is worth thinking about. And when you do this, that your hope and your trust in God would just continue to grow and as it grows, you would discover that you really can be anxious for nothing and experience God's good gift of peace. And so what we're going to do together, just to begin to start practicing this, I'm at all of our campuses, we're just going to take a moment where we're just going to take some time and just meditate uh, on the good things that God gives us. And so here's what I want us to do at all of our campuses, um, online, Greenfield, Oak Creek, please join us. Everyone just close your eyes and bow your heads together. And we're just going to take a moment and we're just going to do this. First thing I want you to do is I just want you to identify what is that anxious thought that is causing you to worry right now? Is it about your health? Is that thought about a relationship or your finances or a certain situation? I want you to identify what that is. And then silently at your seat, wherever you're at, would you just Would you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I release this thought to you. And that's the first step. The next step is to choose to fill our mind with the thoughts that are of God. So right now where you're at, I want you to choose, well, what is that thought that you want to meditate on, that you want to dwell on and focus on? Maybe for some, it's just like what David said in Psalm 23. But that thought is, God is my shepherd. God watches over me. God takes care of me. God gives me everything that I need. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I don't have to be afraid because God is right there with me. What is that thought that is good, that is pure, that is praiseworthy, excellent, or admirable? What is that thought? Would you say, Jesus, I'm going to hold on to that thought right now. God, you are so good. You have given us so much that you've just reminded us over and over and over again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't worry. Don't worry. And the reason why you say that is not just as a way to say, hey, knock it off. That's not it at all. it's a reminder that we can put our hope and our trust and our faith in you because you are so good and god you are a shepherd you watch over us you give us all we need you take care of us so much so that you gave us your son jesus to live among us and to restore our relationship with you so that we can experience your gift of peace God, we thank you for that. And we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Community Church's podcast. If you live in southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.